Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Oh, you're exactly right, Joe. We work for the man upstairs as you do. You're setting me up quite well. You just gave me an alley-oop. The greatest revolutionary act you can commit right now is to open your mouth and speak the truth. Whether you're an academic or you're a regular guy, we have to be fearless. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, as always, joined by Joe Resinello. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go in to the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. As always, we ask you to please download the Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app so that you could have access to all of our station's content, not just the front line with Joe and Joe. Hey, if you like what we do uh, and you hear us here, we're also on social media. You can find us in a number of different places, primarily the Frontline TV, the Frontline TV on YouTube. We'd ask you to like, subscribe, share, and do all that fun stuff. And today we have a very, now we're going into the breach, Joe Resinello, because I'll be honest with you. Uh, this is a conversation where we, along with the audience, are going to learn a lot. And we're very pleased and honored to be joined today by Matthew Pinto. We're going to be discussing, Matthew is running the, the Catholic Crypto Conference uh, 2022 in Valley Forge, Pennsylvania. That's going to be November 17th and 18th. And we're going to let everybody know where they can go and sign up for the conference. But we want to know a little bit about it first. And that's why we have Matthew here. Uh, some of you out there might know Matthew Pinto. Uh, however, I'm going to give a, a brief introduction. Uh, Matthew has been at the forefront of multiple Catholic initiatives since the early 1990s. In 1998, he founded Ascension Press, uh, which is a leading Catholic publisher and media outlet. He did that until 2021. He is also the founder of the Genesis Group, the creator of the Catholic Crypto Conference, and the co-founder of the Theology of the Body Institute uh, and Envoy Magazine, the Maximus Group, and CatholicExchange.com. Matt has also authored or co-authored more than a dozen Catholic books and educational resources. He and his wife, Marianne, reside with their children in suburban Philadelphia. Matthew Pinto, welcome to the front line with Joe and Joe, brother. Joe, I'm already getting a little taste in the first, uh, you know, 60 seconds, and I think I'm going to like this. You guys sound like my type of guys. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. <laughs> Thank you very much. With that, I'm going to hand it over to Joe Resinello, and we're going to have a great conversation. Matt, we always start with a prayer to Our Lady. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, never was it known that anyone who sought your help or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly unto you, a virgin of virgins, our mother. To you we come, for you we stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother, the Word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in your clemency hear and answer us. Amen. amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Matt, in line with what you just said, you're a Philly guy. I went to University of Scranton. I have tons of friends from Philly. Um, so uh, you're our neighbor. We love you. And your last name is Pinto. There's a vowel at the end of it. <laughs> We're going to get along just fine. Um Let's just begin with a basic question. What do you mean by crypto and why should Catholics care? Okay, um, so crypto it comes from the word ultimately cryptography, which really is, is a, an encoding, 
an uncoding, a decoding. Uh, it's, it's really a way of protecting things. From there, guys, we get the word cryptocurrency because uh, there was a, an invention uh, about 12 or 13 years ago, a peer-to-peer -peer financial system. Uh, it, it, it is known as Bitcoin. It was built on something called blockchain. So in the most literal sense, the word cryptocurrency first means a, a, a medium of exchange of something of value. Uh, they're often called tokens or coins. But really, guys, we're talking about a broader definition that's used in the crypto world. Um, underneath this word, crypto would mean things such as blockchain, Web 3.0, which is the next evolution of the Internet, something called the metaverse, which can get a little scary for some, uh, something called NFTs, non-fungible tokens. It was the word of the year last year for whoever designates that. And then there's something called smart contracts and decentralized finance. So it really means about a half dozen big categories. Uh, and that's really what we're doing at the conference. We're seeing where those categories can interface with our faith and can be harnessed for the gospel and for the common good. Matthew Pinto is joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. You know, Matt, we're so used to, I mean, the Fed just held its meeting, raises rates. We have we have centralized finance in this company, centralized banking system. Um, you're, you're holding this conference. You obviously want people to hear what you have to say. Um, is, the, is, is the trend going to be towards this decent, or you, you mentioned one of the, one of the, aspects of it is decentralized finance is is this a is this where you see the future going and are we going to have this decentralized finance and what you just mentioned is all going to be part of that and we all need to be educated on this is that why you're you're holding the conference yeah, that that is one of the reasons and one of the manifestations joe um it, i just got off a phone call with a group called splinterland they're they're a um they're a gaming company, a Web3 gaming company, and they're centralized. But in the conversation, the guy, the guy just matter-of-factly says, but remember, Matt, we really want to take our applications in the direction of decentralization. So let me tell you what's at the root of that. What's at the root of much of the crypto world, and again, the crypto world has these multiple definitions, was a libertarian spirit. I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just describing it. But there really was this, this freedom impulse, this impulse that um, maybe in the extreme libertarian mind that, that any centralization is bad. I wouldn't go there at all. As a Catholic, we, we believe in, in certainly regulation and we believe in the centralization of the church itself. But there are pendulum swings that are valid pendulum swings. And if the, the government or even our banking system has become onerous, well, then there'll be an instinct towards decentralization, not just in finances, but in a whole host of areas. And for example, guys, you um, may recall the, the, the trucker incident up in Canada about three or four months ago where the truckers had a protest and a lot of people sent donations to those truckers. And, and the banks and the entity that was collecting those finances just shut it off. They just shut it off. Uh, over in Malta, I think it was Malta, uh, no, Cyprus, within the past 10 years, the banks just flat out confiscated the um, uh, uh, something like half of the reserves of the average citizens in their banks. So 
I think as Catholics, we have deference to authority. Authority is a good thing in our view, but authority also needs to have checks and balances. And so this movement towards decentralization, whether it's in banking or in a whole host of areas, is also allowed in Catholic thought. I'm glad you clarified that because I, you know, like you said, a lot of times people just automatically kind of like kind of in a knee jerk way. And I say, nope, nope, centralization bad. Well, no, that's not true. And I'm glad you you clarified that. There's there's a need for decentralization at times. Uh, the, uh, centralization is is valuable and something that that we need. Joe Resinello. I like the direction you went with that um, because I think there's a lot, a couple things. One, I'm skeptical. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I'm a very conservative person, and I always look for. And I'm sure a lot of Catholics are like that. They look for what's backing Bitcoin, tangible, what's the backing? So that's my first question. Second question is a little different because I like the direction you're going. People are very uncomfortable with our economy and with the, the destabilization of our culture. I am. I mean, I'm a father of five. I, I believe you have six children, Matt, and it scares me. I mean, my children are going to be facing a world much different than the world that I faced. And there's talk about making digital currency, as in the government, no more paper money, which means they could cut you off in a heartbeat. They don't as like, Matt just described. Yeah. They don't like the way you vote. They don't like the way you post on social media. They don't like your religion. You're broke. You got nothing. Is this some of the thinking behind this? Because that is something to think about. Yeah, I think the advent of Bitcoin in particular, and I'm going to touch about touch on Bitcoin in, in my answer here, and then also another example of centralization. So hold me to that so I don't forget. But what I think was at the original advent of this is um, the Bitcoin uh, creation was invented right after the 2008 collapse. And part of the thinking, from what I understand from the white paper that was created, because um, often these projects issue white papers first to tell you the scope of the project, that was that was part of the reference. And uh, it, it, so therefore, it was intended to be a peer-to-peer -peer network that bypasses traditional finance and, and structures. Um, so let me, let me touch on Bitcoin itself just for a few minutes. Um, let me start by saying, guys, although I'm putting on a crypto conference, it's just as if me putting uh, I would put on an Internet conference in 1995, very early in the Internet. I would say to you what I'm about to say to you now, and that is I'm still not convinced of a whole host of these things that we're going to discuss today. Uh, Bitcoin, I'm about 60 percent there, and I'll explain what that means. Um, but if it looks like a duck and walks like a duck, it's a duck. And by that, I mean the use cases for blockchain, the use cases for NFTs, the use cases for this Web 3.0 creation that is company are already getting entrenched in the culture. You have traditional banks, you have traditional companies using this blockchain technology. So, so these things are almost certainly here to stay. Now, whether we actually evolve to the point where Bitcoin becomes a real store of value in the world uh, or whether it 
it through a layer on top of it becomes a medium of exchange because right now it fluctuates too much to be um, a, a medium of exchange. You just can't count on its um, stability, but layers on top of it give it that stability. That's another question as to whether we'll get to that point. Now, I think a strong case can be made for what Bitcoin is trying to be. And, uh, and in a nutshell, it's trying to be a store of value more than a medium of exchange. And Joe, you asked, well, what's its value? Because it feels like ethereal money, uh, to which I would say, well, it is to a large extent in a similar manner that the $4 trillion that was put into the, the economy over the past several years that was not necessarily literally printing presses. That that was most likely pushes of buttons, money being sent to um, to regional federal reserve or reserves. So the 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 value of Bitcoin is basically two things. The network has become massive, so it's it's what they call a network effect. My iPhone that I'm holding in my hand is no good unless there's a second iPhone and a third iPhone and a fourth iPhone and a millionth iPhone, because then I now have a network that I can use. Um, Bitcoin is now a large network. In fact, it's the, many believe that it, it is the most powerful computer system in the world, point number one. Point number two, it has a finite supply. 21 million is all that will ever be created. And you can begin to tether a culture and its economy to something like that when it becomes stable, not unlike gold. You can begin to tether it. So the short answer to your question, what is its value, is the network effect has grown. You have tens and tens of millions of people who now believe it's valuable. Um, and if that is the case, then you will have buyers for it. And in fact, we won't even be disappointed when it goes down to $10,000 because we already believe the proposition. We will use that as an opportunity to acquire more. So the network effect and the finite supply are two characteristics of Bitcoin that actually give it real value. Uh, Matthew Pinto is joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, Joe Racinello, we're way in the breach. Uh, Matthew is going to be hosting and has created the Catholic Crypto Conference 2022 in Valley Forge. Matt, real quick, who are going to be some of the uh, speakers at the conference? Well, those who are in the crypto world would recognize the name Mark Yusko. They would recognize the name Ben Armstrong, who's known as BitBoy. These have, guys have um, many, many followers into the millions in, in some instances. There's a, a, a former senior editor at Forbes magazine who's now a, a big crypto author and podcaster named Laura Shin. There's a woman from Kitco News. She's the lead news anchor on Kitco News uh, named Michelle McCory. And then in the Catholic world, we have representatives from Villanova University, Catholic University, um, uh, we have people from the Acton Institute, A-C-T-O-N. This is the uh, Catholic ministry of many years that really espouses free market principles. So we have some good presenters, and uh, it really is going to be a unique conference. Five different tracks, gentlemen. There are 50 seminars over those two days, so there's plenty. But the most important thing, guys, is that we have a dedicated track for the majority of people who will be there who are newcomers to crypto. So a whole track, about eight or nine seminars, intro to cryptocurrency, intro to Bitcoin, intro to Web3, um, a beginner's track that will go throughout both days of the conference. Thank you for that, Matthew Pinto. Um, can people 
do people have to physically attend the conference or could they join remotely? Good question. So just this morning, um, uh, we, we concluded yesterday in a strategy meeting, but this morning with a vendor, we are going to, it almost certainly looks like we're going to have a live streaming version. Oh, that's well. awesome. Yeah, so look uh, look on our website. We're going to have a, a healthy turnout there. People are intrigued with the idea, just like they would have been intrigued 25 years ago uh, with a conference on the internet itself and what the church can do with this. Many people are connecting the dots in their head and realizing, well, if these are technological shifts. If we are looking at a web 3.0 coming our way, then we as a church uh, and ministries within the church should know about this. And Matt, I'm going to hand it over to Joe Resinello. Where, which where can our audience members go to register for the conference? Uh, they can go to uh, catholiccryptoconference.com, catholiccryptoconference.com. You can Google those words and you'll eventually get led there as well. And um, um, also, guys, I, I did want to build on another thought in regards to this issue of inherent value. And again, Bitcoin is just one manifestation of this crypto world, but... If you and I were stuck on a desert island, would you rather have $10,000 or a batch of bananas? It's more likely you would want the bananas because you can't really do anything with the money. It's just you and me on the island and there's no one to trade with. So one could make the case that a batch of bananas is worth more than $10,000. It really depends on the situation and the circumstance. Secondly, the $20 bill that you and I hold in our hands technically cost about 14 cents to make. So the inherent value of that $20 bill is about 14 cents. But you and I have agreed that that $20 equals $20. And the government says that it will back it. So as long as you have a large mass of people agreeing on something, what it's worth, and you have people backing it because they're willing to buy it when it dips, you have something that it has inherent value because people have decided that it has value. And unlike the dollars in our culture, when you build a system on a finite supply that can't be inflated, well, then now you're talking about something that is very hard. In fact, people in the Bitcoin community and crypto community make the case that Bitcoin is the hardest money ever created in human history. Because again, there's there's finite supply. It's very hard to quote mine, M-I-N-E, like you mine gold. And so you have literally hundreds and hundreds of, of billions of dollars put into equipment and the network that have already been invested that are holding it up. So it's actually quite strong. All right. Well, that's I, I find it all fascinating. Joe Resinello. I want to talk about conspiracy. And why I say that is because Joe and I engage the culture um, as Catholics and make no bones about it. And sometimes people could say, well, that's a conspiracy theory. <clears throat> the economy is very stable. This is the United States of America. The, go the government doesn't want to control anything, doesn't want to control you. Let's talk about China. China has a credit system, which basically grades people based upon how they speak, how they act, how they live. That credit system affects your life. In America, something similar could happen. We have seen government overreach, and I don't want to get political, but we have seen it. I could give an example. A bank could say, I am not going to lend you, Matthew Pinto, money 
because you do X, you do Y, just like they look at your credit score when you go for a mortgage. That could be something down the line because it's already happening in the world. And China is moving to a digital yen, which is going to have geopolitical uh, influence across the globe. Talk about that a little bit more, because I think it's very real. What we're seeing now in the political currents of America, it's unprecedented. And Catholics have to protect themselves. Too many times we're deers in the headlight, Matt. We get crushed. It's about time we're prepared. Yeah, and I got to tell you guys, part of that's part of the reason for the Congress. Um, and let me explain that. Often in, in the world in which you and I operate, our evangelical brothers and sisters, and I do consider them brothers and sisters because uh, they profess Christ, they're, they're baptized in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So theologically speaking, they are brothers and sisters through baptism. They typically beat us to the punch uh, in, in so many temporal apostolic missions. Uh, this is one instance, though, and I say this with a little bit of pride, um, hopefully a healthy pride, that, that we're beating them to the punch in this regard. This is the first, to the best of my knowledge, meaningful, sizable Christian conference on this whole discipline of cryptocurrency. But to get to your um, question, Joe, about maybe a little bit of conspiracy, maybe China, maybe the U.S. and what its future might be in this regard, I would say as Christian believers, as Catholic believers, we have to have an element of conspiracy about us. Why? Because the devil exists, he's cunning, he's ruthless, and so we have to assume that there are things around the corner that we can't see that will be that will bite us and are there as traps. So there's an element of us that the most sober of us, including the Pope himself, has to have an element where we give deference to, to some conspiracy, because the devil himself is about conspiracy all the time. In regards to China and in regards to the uh, potential path of America, this would be the statement that I and I think many people would make. A central bank digital currency has many of the characteristics about it that really, really could be a problem really could be a problem. Uh, this is where the, the dollar disappears and, and everything is, is digitized and is eminently traceable. There are a lot of people in the crypto space, speaking with a lot of people in uh, the legislative space, who are pointing out that if such a move is taken, that it can't be at the commerce level, which would be what you and I would transact in, but only maybe at the settlement level, at the, at the bigger level. China um, pushed out Bitcoin about a year ago last summer um, because the contention is that, no, they, they want this space for themselves. And, and uh, crypto, uh, specifically Bitcoin, is a threat to uh, central bank digital uh, control power. And so therefore they would not want a peer-to-peer -peer network and therefore would clamp down on it. I would say that the American experience is, is different in kind because of our rootedness in freedom. Uh, we, we also are, are, you know, you got 300 plus million guns supposedly out there that, uh, and again, I'm not advocating anything. I'm just describing that, that the American experience is different. And then also you already have the fi finance industry pretty darn enmeshed with crypto already. And once you get Wall Street tied to the hip uh, and the capital markets tied to the hip with with a new industry, it's not unlikely that it's uh, going to 
let go of that. And so let me just say that, um, and I know we got to go to a break, I think. No, 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 no. I, I, I just had a I, I, very quickly, Matt, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but a, a very quick question and a quick comment on this. Should we, we be a little bit leery when Wall Street is attaching itself to this? Because Wall Street hasn't exactly shown themselves to be our friends either. I just wanted yeah. to throw that in. No, and that's a good question, um, and I get that. But I think I more view it as a check and balance because although they're, if they have their own money tied up into these projects succeeding, uh, I'm I'm not sure how they would want these projects not to succeed because the dollar dollar rules and the venture capital money, the Wall Street money, for example, I just heard that Fidelity about three months or so ago, Fidelity is now allowing you to have crypto in your IRA. Uh, Goldman and, and all the big houses are getting involved. So they were lagging behind probably because they didn't want their traditional business disrupted because right now um, finance brokers don't have a lot of products to sell. So it's um, in the crypto space. So you would want to keep that going. But due to the juggernaut that is coming, A, B, due to demand from their, their clients, specifically their high net worth clients, they are now offering these products. So I think the combination of American freedom, the combination of legislators really getting catechized well on the fact that we do not want to miss this crypto movement in a similar manner that we did not want to miss the internet movement, that we don't want to over-regulate. We do want regulation. And, and the smart money and the smart people in the crypto space want regulation because it enables it to flourish, ironically, but we want that within reason. So there's a few things that tell me that our experience is different than how China is going to go. Thank you for that, Matthew Pinto. Joe Rossinello, we have about three, four minutes before the break. Let's talk about some of the things under that crypto umbrella, one of which is the metaverse. I mean, we've done a show on it um, a while back on our social media channel regarding Facebook. Um, I believe that's their symbol, isn't it, Joe? Meta? They like, changed to meta. Now it's yeah. meta. Um, this particular like movement is, is basically trying to create almost like an alternate universe. Um, again, I'm skeptical and, I, and I'm looking to be educated by you, Matt, on this, particularly around the incarnation. I mean, it seems to me that people want to live in a pseudo reality, like rationalizing their life into this reality that obviously doesn't exist. And we know that God is reality. So you're missing, you know, the the point of of your life, basically. How could the metaverse be a good thing for a Catholic? Yeah. So where I think, if I had to guess, where I think the metaverse is going to end up is probably in a similar manner to what you and Joe and I are experiencing right now. That it becomes an in and out type of tool in our lives versus a total immersion that that is antithetical to the, the human experience and what you and I are called to uh, as incarnate beings to be gift to each other and to engage each other in, uh, in a communal way. That's what we're called to, to engage each other in this communion of persons, which is a, a, a reflection of the very communion that God in the Trinity is himself. So we are meant to commune. And there are some things, guys, that we can only commune on in the flesh, namely uh, the sexual union, the conjugal union, the receiving of the real presence, not the meta presence, but the real presence of God in, in the Eucharist. 
Um, this is why the church doesn't allow us to use digital means of confession because we're, we're meant to engage Christ the healer uh, through the person of, of the priest. So there are some things that, uh, that would be impossible. But do I believe as a tool in the culture in a similar manner that you and I are using this tool right now that that a that a augmented reality or at times even a virtual reality might have redeeming qualities? I think it does. I met a priest the other day who I'm meeting face to face next Tuesday. Um, his name is Father Ian. His last name um, is, is like a Nordic name. It's slipping me right now, like Von something. Uh, he's a, a chaplain at Eastern Carolina University, and he and some of his um, associates have already developed uh, a meta experience of the rosary where you're, you're putting on the goggles, but you're immersed in the Garden of Eden. And something like that really could enrich uh, a prayer experience. Or here's another example, guys. 98% of people in the world, maybe 99% of the people will never make it to the Sistine Chapel. But what if you and I, through a virtual experience, could not only experience all nooks and crannies of the Sistine Chapel uh, up close, but then we could actually just kind of go up close, really close to the image and, and see, you know, uh, one foot away that, that close up of Michelangelo's uh, rendering of Adam Adam's finger touching God's finger. So I do think that as a tool, uh, it has potential. One reason why we really can't critique, and I know you're not doing this, you're asking the question, and I ask the same question, is we really don't know what the metaverse will be yet. It is a bold reality that uh, Facebook changed its name. I mean, that's like, almost like McDonald's changing its name. That's Matt, I want to pick this up. I want to pick this up. Yeah. Gonna, I want you to hold that thought. We're going to take a quick break at the front line with Joe and Joe on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. Um, our guest today, fascinating conversation, Matthew Pinto. He is the creator of the Catholic Crypto Conference 2022 in Valley Forge, PA. We're going to give you more information on that, and we encourage everyone to join the conference. So stick around. We'll be right back. Where there's Catholic radio, the folks who listen deepen their faith, families are strengthened, parishes and communities flourish. So, let people know you're listening to Veritas, tell your friends to tune in, and let's make an impact here for Jesus and His Church. This is Steve Lee for Veritas Catholic Network. Welcome back, everyone, to The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. we are way in the breach with Matthew Pinto. We are discussing the Catholic Crypto Conference 2022 in Valley Forge, Pennsylvania. This is a great conversation because most people, Matt, that we speak to uh, engage in uh, just on a day-to-day -day basis. They know it's like you mentioned about the internet. I remember in and I, this is just like kind of funny. I remember in 1995 when I think about it, I didn't know what copy and paste was. I didn't know what email was. I didn't like know all these things that we just like nowadays is kind of like I'm, I'm being serious too. Like I didn't know all these things. It was so new, and this guy's guy, you had to get to know it and everything else. And I'm sure the same evolution is going to occur, um, you know, with uh, with cryptocurrency. But now, having said that, you you were making a point before the before the end of the break, so I want to let you continue. Sure. So I think um, the metaverse. We don't know what it is just yet. It's pretty serious when a company as big as Facebook changes its name. So there's probably something here, meaning there's a movement that is going. Um, but like anything, guys. Um, it, we do have to have Catholic checks on things uh, to make sure they don't go too far. In fact, uh, people have asked me why I'm doing the conference, and I say there are three reasons. The first is offensive. The second is defensive. And then the third I'll describe in a minute. Offensive is 
that if these technologies, which generally are morally neutral, if they can be leveraged for the good, for the gospel, for the common good, um, then the church needs to look at them. Defensively, if something has the chance of going awry, the church needs to have a seat at the table and to voice its, its, its tempering of things. And then the third reason why we're doing the conference is to really find who in this crypto world, who in this high finance world, who in this technology world are serious Catholics who love their faith and uh, with the hope of bringing them together, not only at the conference, but post-conference, so we can really network, know each other, and and start to do some good things together. Matt, isn't it the same same the same story though? With anything, is that we as Catholics, when we see something, okay, if it's if it's something that could be good and useful, pleasurable, enjoyable, isn't it always the same story? If we if we keep a Catholic perspective on it, okay, if we moderate ourselves, if we see the good and use those things for the good, and don't abuse those things, then why not? If, like you said, if it's serving the purposes uh, of the church, if it's if, if it's helping us to 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 uh, or, or not hindering us from living holy lives, um, and they're good and useful things, then we should use them. But we should always be like ourselves to to always keep things at arm's length and make sure we're using it and not abusing it. Quick comment on that, Matt. Yeah, yeah. Well, that would be the case. Um, and and I would say the the problem comes, Joe, and I'm not countering this because I agree with your position, is that there are some persons and some uh, personalities that uh, might have addictive personalities, for example, and literally might find themselves 10, 12, 14 hours a day living in an alternate universe. And of course, that would be bad. But as uh, members of the American society, um, culture in which we live and members of the church, just because something can be abused doesn't mean that that we avoid it from the word go. Money can be abused. Sex can be abused. Food can be abused. Um, so the church would call us to to just use them properly. Absolutely. Joe Racinello. You piqued my interest on a number of subjects on the other side of the break, Matt. You mentioned Web 3.0, that it's the next version of the internet. What is that? I mean, that I think is that really is interesting because I mean, the internet is a part of everyone's life, whether you're a, a physicist or you're in fourth grade. Uh, what's the next uh, iteration of it? Yes. And so I'm just getting my head around this too, as well, guys. Um, I was on the phone, as I shared with you actually on a Zoom call a couple of hours ago, with uh, a top principal at, at a uh, at a gaming company. They have 150 employees, they do very large revenues, and, and they really have become a Web3 company. And, and I said to this guy, his name was John, I said, John, you know, you just started with the company in February, how long has it take, taken you to, to learn these new languages? Like Joe, you just said cut and paste. How long has it made you, uh, required you to learn these things? And he said, well, Matt, uh, it's taken me about three, four months just to be able to be conversant in my own company. And secondly, the boss of the company, who really is a leading expert on all things crypto, said to him that nobody is an expert. We're still figuring out what these things are. So when I say Web3, we're in the very beginning days of it. And in the defining characteristic, uh, guys, is that this is a decentralized web. Right now, the web, for the most part, is controlled by about six companies. Facebook, YouTube, Google, you know, uh, or social media, Twitter. Um, 
the original promise of the internet, for those of you who are, let's say, 45 years old or older, was that we were going to have a decentralization, uh, an egalitarian, all things being equal world in which we all are our own publishers. But what happens in a commercial industry, if there's money to be made, um, people are incentivized to create uh, very cool things, and some of those become monopolies. So we're at that point right now where it's consolidated. So what this movement, this Web3 movement is about, is about decentralization, meaning spreading out the network so that there's no authority over top of, of something, that it's decentralized and, uh, and, um, and distributed. And here's a quick example. If you were to go to Wells Fargo Bank right now, Joe or Joe, and you were to say, hi, Wells Fargo, I'd like to see your ledger of all of your 50 million accounts. They would throw you out the door. But the Bitcoin ledger, for example, is not held by any one entity. And other decentralized projects in the crypto space are not held by one entity. They're held by all the computers that they're distributed to. So for example, the Bitcoin network has something like 50,000 computers that have that one ledger. So every time you make a transaction on Bitcoin, it's uploaded to all 40,000. So nobody holds it because everyone holds it. And that's what gives it its strength. That's what gives it its power. And that, that's what makes it uncensorable. So in Web3, it really gives those of us who might be canceled an opportunity now, new platforms for Facebook and Twitter and, and all these other social media platforms, it gives us the ability to create a decentralized distributed network wherein the people who are the content creators themselves are the holders of the network. Matthew Pinto is joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, Joe Racinello. We're discussing all things crypto. We do want to get into some some other ideas, though, Matt. Thank you so much for 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 clarifying as as much as as much as you can. Obviously, we encourage people to join the conference. This is going to be on November seventeenth and eighteenth, the Catholic Crypto Conference, twenty twenty two, in Valley Forge, Pennsylvania. Matt will give us the information. Well, Matt, real quick, what's the website again? CatholicCryptoConference.com. Thank you for that, Matt. Let me ask you a question. Let's let's move a little off topic, but stay on economics and um, and particularly how we view. Uh, our economy uh, as Catholic men in America. Um, I think the middle class for the last 20 years or so, maybe even longer, has been getting crushed, has been kind of under assault. Um, and how how is everything you're talking about and what you're trying to accomplish going, uh, uh, assuming you agree with my premise that the, that the middle class is getting hammered, okay, uh, the working class, the middle class, um, how is everything you're talking about, crypto and everything else, decentralization, can that help us? Can that help us strengthen, not only strengthen the middle class, but to bring more people from, let's say, who may be living in poverty or working poor um, up to the middle class? So the contention of many in the space is yes. Uh, that, um, and again, I'm a free market guy. The church clearly is a, a free market a church with, with some tempering, using regulation, softening the edges. That would be the kind of church's view that, that we are called to, to experience freedom, even in economic realms. And um, that being said, it's the nature of pendulums to swing, uh, swing in the direction of consolidation because the powerful can become more powerful because they have capital to buy additional assets and become more powerful. So uh, this is why some tempering is needed. 
there are some who believe, who may even go to the uh, extreme of saying that decentralization and Bitcoin in particular is given to us for times such as these. And some might even go further in saying that, that it really is an escape hatch for the middle class and for the lower class uh, to escape really the dominance of legacy industries like the finance industry. Um, guys, it's undeniable that, that a dollar has something like 98% less purchasing power than it did 100 years ago. Well, why, why must we accept the proposition that there must be uh, inflation and devaluing of the dollar year over year? Why do we accept that, that principle? What if there was a firm tethering that, that fought against that? So some of the use cases of crypto in general and Bitcoin in particular is that if you live in Zimbabwe, Joe or Joe, uh, at any given decade or any given year, you might have an 800 point swing in the inflation rate mm -hmm. and the hard-earned dollars that you earned are now worth very little. Well, what if you could park that money outside of the Zimbabwe dollar and park it into Bitcoin or crypto in general, but Bitcoin? Well, then you're you're dodging that bullet. And, and again, what do we do with the fact that um, double incomes are probably needed nowadays because of some of the economic conditions that have been really forced on us over the past 50 years. So there are many who believe that this is a great equalizer and that if someone just starts um, you know, aggregating little bits of Bitcoin again in particular, and again, you don't have to buy a whole coin, you can buy one one hundredth millionth of, of a coin, um, you can begin to have a certain amount of uh, your resources that are, that are in a sense off the grid and um, not less subject to, um, to maybe some of the fluctuations in the market. And again, these are the propositions of Bitcoin advocates. As I told you, I'm getting there, uh, but I'm still, it's still a work in progress for me. Um, I believe, though, that, that the asymmetrical risk versus reward versus risk requires that, that it be considered by everyone. Someone said to me that financial advisors in a matter of two to three to four years might face a fiduciary responsibility if they don't start recommending crypto assets to people. Wow. Right, now, right now, they're having a difficulty doing it because, you know, it, it could give them exposure. But with widespread acceptance, even conservative financial planners now are saying two to five percent. Some are saying, you know, more than that. Kevin O'Leary, Shark Tank, he's in 20 percent, he says. I'm, I'm at 20 percent. Is is in crypto? He's no chump. It's funny. I, I I took the I took the series seven in 1995. I remember when the new thing on there was uh, was CMOs, collateralized mortgage obligations. And we all know what happened with that. Um, and I'm not comparing crypto to that. But yeah. I imagine that the, in the next couple of years, if you want to be a series seven licensed broker and you want to work on Wall Street, you're going to have to know this language. Joe Resinello. Oh, I, I want to just make a, a quick comment on what you said, and then I want to bring in uh, some some questions with regard to the middle class, because there's definitely concerns around security. Middle class people don't make big bucks, and when they put money into something, they got to make sure there's no scams or hacks. But what you said struck my interest, um, because I have worked uh, in the finance field, and I worked uh, for three years in South America. Not didn't live there, but I would travel through the, the region. And as our country becomes less and less stable, 
people are looking for alternatives, and this is an alternative. Well, in South America, a lot of people don't know this, there is considerable wealth, but the wealth is held in Miami on Brickell Avenue. People don't invest in banks in South America. Why? Because it's not stable. The government is not stable. So people are looking for alternatives. And as you were talking about that, it, it made me think of my days working down there because no one keeps their money in South America. They keep it in, in the States. And now the people in the United States are looking for a decentralized model. And this is that model. I just wanted to make that parallel because yeah. it is real. Joe, right as you wrote the word scams, I was um, writing in my own notepad here uh, as we're talking. I, I wrote the word rug pulls. Um, in the crypto world, and this is where everyone must be forewarned, in the crypto world, there, there are thousands of tokens, coins. The better percentage of them are just not going to make it. And let me define them versus, uh, versus Bitcoins. If you were in France... 40 years ago, before the euro, you would have used the franc, the French franc, is, I guess is how they would say it. That was the commerce for France. In America, you would use the dollar. In Mexico, you would use the peso. All the coins in the crypto world are mostly tied to the ecosystem of that crypto project. So when you hear about something called Solana, well, that's the commerce for the Solana application, which is a, a, an application. What I'm getting at, though, is those who are listening, you must be very, very cautious in this crypto world because there's a lot of scams and rug pulls um, and um, really Ponzi's. And so my counsel is really work with people who, who know the field. There, there are um, funds getting created. There's one called First Watch. They're one of the sponsors of the, of the conference. Work with people who do this for a living, point one. Point two, if you're going to go yourself, really just look at Bitcoin and Ethereum. Ethereum, there's like 6,000 companies that have already built their, their, their projects on top of Ethereum. And then Bitcoin is, uh, is the granddaddy of them all. You're going to be very tempted. You're going to read emails. You're going to get excited that this coin has gone 100x. And you're going to be tempted to go for them. I would say be very, very cautious. Um, so... Uh, just like you would have been cautious in the year 1890 when electricity first came on the scene. It would have been erratic. It would have maybe even caused some fires. But who would deny what electricity became? And so that being said, be very cautious. We are going to have a talk at the conference specifically on scams and rug pulls and things uh, on, on how to protect yourself. Well, thank you for that, Matthew Pinto. And that's why we need to educate people. That's why we're, we're glad that you're on the show. That's why we're glad that you're doing the conference. Matthew Pinto is uh, holding a conference uh, in Valley Forge, Pennsylvania. It's the Catholic Crypto Conference 2022. That's going to be November 17th and 18th. Uh, Matt, before we move on, once again, where's the website where people can register? Joe, CatholicCryptoConference.com, or they can go to Catholic Creation and drill down. You'll find the logo. Catholic Creation is the, the parent organization putting it on. Catholic Crypto Conference or CatholicCreation.com. All right. Uh, Matthew Pinto is joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe and the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, and we are way in the breach. Matt, let me let me take a step back from crypto for a second. I'm glad you mentioned you answered a question I was going to ask. Is, is crypto tradable in fractions? And you said you could go down to one one millionth or, or, or whatever it is so if you want to put a hundred bucks in in crypto even though right now i think it's trading at about 19 or twenty thousand, um you could you could do that am i correct 
Yeah, and many people believe that this is a good time. Uh, you know, supposedly from what you hear, those the smart money purchases when it's low. Yeah, but you can dollar cost average just like you can dollar cost average into a mutual fund and other strategies. And you can do twenty dollars a week, fifty dollars a week, and just put it on auto, and it and it buys the dips and buys the peaks, and 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 it works out because it's dollar cost averaging. Awesome. So, Matt, let me let me ask you this. Um... I, I let I, I want to go here because I think a lot of people a lot of people misconstrue Catholic teaching on economics. All right, and the Catholic Church, you know, doesn't really doesn't really weigh in much on economics. Obviously, the Catholic Church condemns communism and socialism because they're not just merely economic systems; they're worldviews, most of which is antithetical to Catholic teaching. Okay. Educate our audience a little bit why why socialism and this is part of the compendium of the Catholic Church why socialism and Catholicism uh, generally speaking are just incompatible. Yeah, I, I would recommend you get the guys and I, I will give you an attempt, but I interviewed these guys from the Acton Institute uh, last week for for promotion for the conference and we did nice half hour long interviews and these guys are sharp. They are sharp, so they're going to give you much stronger and better answers. But uh, the, the human spirit was made for freedom. God did not make us robotrons. Um, he gave us free will as part and parcel of being human. Free will is part and parcel of being human. It's not an add-on. Uh, and so because of that, we were destined for freedom. We were destined uh, to either freely choose the good and freely or freely reject the evil or not and so the capitalistic system um really is is to, in my view and my understanding of the church would be most conducive to human freedom you having property rights you being able to fulfill your own destiny in the here and now not in a new age type of way but in just human flourishing uh, you get to freely choose your spouse you get to freely choose the work that you want to do for the most part um, and so therefore property rights and therefore economic property rights must be part and parcel of that. Now, we have this preferential option for the poor where we, we are called to have the heart of the Savior and looking at those without, um, who, who have without, but that can't become coercive. Uh, that really has to be freely given. And so the church would fall down, I would understand from my years of reading and talking about these issues, on the side of freedom, which means the side of free market. But there are times when uh, when regulation is there to prevent abuse, and abuse would be um, prolonged monopolies, uh, would likely lead to abuse. But I would speak to the guys at the Acton Institute. They would make for a great guest, and my goodness, I think your mind's going to be blown. Mine was blown the other day in speaking about a whole host of issues. I, they're, they're, you know, it's, it's very informative. Um, I've, seen, I've seen some great debates. Um, Joe and I interviewed... Uh, Joseph Pierce, and, and I saw him in a debate with Jay Richards, with Father Sirico, um, moderating. Um, and I'm not going to say I, you know, I, I was just listening objectively and trying to get, you know, what, you know, good Catholic men are, are, are you know, hashing it out. And that's what we're supposed to do. Um, but I'm glad you mentioned, you know, I think that's the main thing is that socialism, communism is coercive. And we need to freely freely choose the good. And I, I, I think that's, that's a, my most important takeaway. And I would impart that to our audience here at the front line with Joe and Joe. That's why the church speaks out and, and teaches against socialism and communism. Joe Resinello. Man, I, I want to compliment you because I think what you're doing is great. 
really, because again, you said it, we get outdone by our evangelical brothers and sisters when it comes to the markets. And we're meant to be in everything, Catholics. We're in the world, but not of the world. But let me stress this, we're in the world. Christ must be in the marketplace. We have to be a light everywhere we go. But I'll be honest with you, Joe and I, we're blue collar guys. We come from blue collar backgrounds and we talk like blue collar guys. And most Catholics are that. Talk about efficacious and practical ways that we as Catholics can bring Christ into the marketplace and even into this Bitcoin arena. Yeah, I love the phrase of uh, St. Francis of Assisi, you know, preach the gospel and use words uh, if necessary. In other words, first and foremost, just being a, a witness, um, you know, uh, I, I just know some people in, in, in my life who have seen the witness of other people who are living the faith, and uh, just the witness itself has been powerful, point one. Point two, I think we Catholics, though, too easily stop there and are content with being silent witnesses because we're afraid. We're not skilled necessarily in being able to, to uh, enunciate or defend the faith. So we fall back to the St. Francis thing a little too quickly, even though I love that. And, and so therefore the second idea, first off be a witness. The second is use words if necessary, meaning we need to speak up. We need to hone our arguments. We need to, um, uh, you know, be ready for uh, to give a reason for the hope that's within us. And guys, a practical tip for your listeners is talk to yourself while you're driving around in the car and practice your answers. I used to do this when I first went through my uh, awakening to the faith about 30 years ago. I was a marketing guy. Um, I, I just learned how to speak in sound bites. And I would be talking to myself in the car. I'd say, defend purgatory in 30 seconds. Boom. And when you do it over and over again, you get good. So my second tip would be learn your faith and begin to practice um, explaining it and charitably defending it. Uh, third would be, and I'll close on this point, the parable of the talents is, has been water in my face many times over these past 30 years, including with this, uh, this conference. I debated six months ago whether I wanted to do this. I built up a good reputation in, in um, leading Ascension uh, Press, which became a, a sizable publishing company doing good things. I knew that there would be confusion when people heard me and crypto. Uh, it, would, it would speak of mammon, money. Um, and uh, I knew it was a little bit dangerous. Uh, but then I thought of the parable of the talents, the one who out of fear buried the one talent and was rebuked by our Lord and the ones who took a chance knowing that they could lose. Um, uh, but they, they, they were good stewards. So I saw this as a potential keyword potential powerful technology. And to me, it was worthy of a discussion. So I say to all your listeners, do not be afraid. Go out into the deep at times. Use prudence, our highest faculty, but take more steps into the deep because the world, um, the world is struggling and, and we need more points of light. And those of you who are listening right now, you have points of light in your mind and in your heart. And the world needs to know them. And the only way they're going to know them is if you uh, speak up. Thank you for that, Matthew Pinto. 
at the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo, Joe Rosanola, Matthew, it has created the Catholic Crypto Conference 2022 in Valley Forge, PA, November 17th and 18th. Matt, final question. Uh, we have a couple minutes left before the end of the show. Uh, there is a growing fear. I think uh, it's as plain as the nose on your face of globalization. Globalization is a bad word. I don't like globalization. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not a citizen of the world. Uh, no disrespect to Barack Obama. I am not a citizen of the world. I'm a citizen of the United States of America. I have a healthy fear, a healthy fear, not, a, not an irrational fear, but a healthy fear of, of, let's say, other nations and what they're capable of doing. And I don't like on the surface globalization. Does this movement towards crypto and decentralization, okay, does that lead to more globalization? If it does, is that a bad thing, a good thing? A few thoughts, Matt. Yeah. Um, so I, Catholicism seems to always fall down in the both end, uh, you know, not the either or, but the both end. And there are times, because I get frustrated, like many get frustrated, that we want to um, we want to throw a punch. We want to uh, take a stand um, and not for not good reason because of abuses that we see. So I would say if I had to guess that the answer is going to be both ends. There is no doubt that that Web3 and this leveling of the playing field is actually going to create more opportunity for people throughout the world because it's a digital reality um, and everything is connected. So there will be uh, an enmeshing that takes place. That being said, Joe and Joe, you and I do have the distinct advantage of living in the, the, the West, not only the West, but the West that is surrounded by ocean. And, and so America is always going to have this characteristic of being able to stand on its own, not just because of the people and the spirit, but because of the physical reality. So although there's going to be a cross-border, a radical cross-border reality that, that will come from these digital commerces and these digital solutions, um, I think the American spirit, uh, which, by the way, is still a Christian instinct underneath it, uh, which which guards against um, bad actions, the American spirit, the Christian spirit, and physical geography will probably protect us, uh, and, and we probably will land more in the, in the both end than in the either or. Thank you for that, Matthew Pinto. It's been a great conversation. Matt, one more really time. Has, the, honestly. The, 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 yeah, really. The the, uh, the conference is the Catholic Crypto Conference 2022 in Valley Forge. P. One more time, Matt, where can folks go to sign up? They can uh, visit us uh, at catholiccryptoconference.com, and it does look like we're going to do a, uh, a live stream. Or if it's easier to type in catholiccreation.com, then look for the crypto logo. Matthew Pinto, this has been a great conversation, all right? And you are welcome back on this show anytime to hash these ideas out. And this has been very informative, not only for our guests out there, but also for ourselves, Joe and I. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Joe, it's been great. You guys are real, and I like you a lot, even only meeting you an hour ago. So good for you. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you, Matt. And thank you all out there for joining us at the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. Download the app, the Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app, and share it with your friends. And if you like what Joe and I do, you can find us also on social media, primarily on YouTube at the Frontline TV. The Frontline TV, like, subscribe, share, do all that fun stuff. And remember, until the next time, that our conversation is your conversation, and that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon.